Find that in your Bible, or you can get there. I told Pastor Nick last week, uh, after his message continuing on the say-so, when he was speaking about jo- or, um yeah, who was he? <laughs> Noah. Not Noah. See, this is what happens. Somebody help me out here. When he has a say-so, when, he, when the, the Lord said, why are you on your face? Right? Now, who is he? Somebody's got to remember this guy. Who brought, who brought the children out of Egypt? Moses. Moses, okay, thank you. All right, yeah. Let's hear it from Moses. All right. Well, anyway, I told Pastor Nick, I said, you know, when, when, when you preach that, when you ministered that, it's amazing because if we're not careful, you know, we forget. We forget, yes, we pray, we pray to God, but we forget that what it's supposed to do to us is we're supposed to be changed. And we're supposed to take on that nature of God. We're supposed to take the authority that He's given us, and we're supposed to then speak that authority. And I thought, when he ministered that, I was sitting there, and I'd come under such conviction. I thought, you know, I, I haven't been claiming these things over my situations. You know, every day I get up and I pray about this thing. I pray about that situation. And then I go on my way, and then the next day I'm praying about that situation. And the next day I'm praying about that situation. Rather than claiming the victory in that and claiming uh, a deliverance over whatever it might be, whatever we're praying for, claiming victory in our families' lives, in our children's lives, I realized, I thought, well, I've fallen into this trap. What happened? When did, I, when did I let that fall by the wayside? What am I doing? And I felt just like he was talking to me. Terry, why are you laying there on your face? Why are you doing this? Get up and claim the victory. Speak over that situation. So as I was, I was reading in Joshua, and I found another spot here concerning Joshua, and virtually about the same thing happened. And in the seventh chapter of Joshua, it says, The children of Israel committed to trespass, according for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zebudi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Now, this is a situation that happened right after Jericho. Okay? They just went in Jericho. I mean, come on. God told them every step of the way what they were to do in Jericho, didn't he? He commanded uh, Joshua, he says, listen, I want you to get up. I want you to march around that city. You know, they're going to take the ark. The priests are going to carry the ark of the covenant. Uh, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're not going to say a word. Nobody talks. Now, that was a miracle in itself. You know, there was a lot of people marching around that city. And I think you probably had some hecklers in the crowd. You think on the walls of Jericho? Think there might have been some hecklers? Who do you think you are, huh? Nobody said anything. Nobody, re- nobody came back at them. They marched around there quiet, and they went on. But then on the last day, he says, you march around there seven times, and then you shout. Yeah. And, of course, you know the story. All the walls just it said they just fell down flat. So wherever they were around that city, they just marched right in. Well, it was a great deliverance. God did a mighty work, and they totally destroyed Jericho. Yeah. This is not far from it. They're sitting around the destroyed city of Jericho. Joshua, then, you know what he did is he sent, he sent some spies out to spy out Ahai. 
He says, you go out there and you see what these people are about. Well, they came back and they said to, they said to Moses, or they said to Joshua, rather, in the third verse they said, let us not all go up. Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ahi, and make not all the people to labor hither or go, for they are but a few. Now, if you remember this, sometimes the spies that they sent out didn't always bring back a proper report, you remember? Okay. Well, they had just destroyed this city. I mean, miraculously destroyed it. So what does Joshua do? Joshua says, okay, that sounds good to me. He says, uh, you go up. 3,000 men. He sent them up there. Now, what's happening is we have to remember and don't forget. First, we don't, have, we don't forget what God has told us. Right? We need to remember what God has told us. And what He's said and done. And make sure that what we're hearing is what God is saying. You've heard the expression of the cart before the horse? A lot of times we have that happen to us, don't it? We get that cart before the horse. We think that we're everything, that everything is going well because God has led. We, we know what God's promise is. God says, I have victory in all these things. God said in His Word. We never inquire of God. We never ask Him. We never ask Him what His will is in the situation. The Word of God says that his will is not our will. It's above, right? It's above and we're below. So we should inquire. Well, these men went up, and it says, The men of Ahi smote them, about thirty and six men, and they chased them from before the gate, even unto Cerebrim, uh, and smote them, going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. In other words, they were in fear. Says, well, all we need is 3,000 men. We can beat those. We, we can beat them. All we need is 3,000 men. Sounds good. Let's make this plan. You go on up there. And then they, were, they ran from them. I think it killed, killed like 36, killed so many people of the children of Israel. And they came. Joshua rent his clothes, the elders, they all rent their clothes, and they fell to the earth upon their face before the ark of the Lord until the evening tide, he and the elders. And they put dust on their heads. And Joshua says this. <laughs> Listen to what Joshua says. This is in the 8th verse. He says, O Lord, what shall, I, what shall I say? Or no, Joshua says in the 7th, he says, Alas, O God, wherefore hast thou brought us, this people, over Jordan, to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would to God that we had been content. Listen to this. Would to God that we had been content to dwell on the other side of Jordan. My choice. In other words, now God was leading them, right? God was leading them. God had a, had a land over there that He says, that, oh, the other side of the Jordan wasn't what God had promised them. Was it? It was the side they were on now. He said, would that we have been content over there. We'd have been content over there, God. And instead you've been us over here. Now you're going to kill us. What's going on? 
O Lord, what shall I say when the Israels turn their back before thy enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it, and shall, uh, in, shall come around us and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? Now, Joshua just played the God card. He just played the God card. Okay, and we play the God card sometimes too. Well, well, Lord, didn't you play this? What, what are people going to think of you? I'm a Christian. You know, think of what they're going to say about you, God. He plays the God card. And the Lord said unto Joshua, What are you doing? Get up! Why do you lay on your face? Get up, he said. Now, what do we find that happens here? You know, we, first, when we say that these people, the, that counseled Joshua and said, we don't, need to, we don't need to take all the camp up there. We just need, let's just take 3,000. There's few of them up there. So let's go up there and let's, let's do what we do best. Let's wreak havoc on them, you know. What would have happened if Joshua would have inquired of the Lord? If he would have inquired of the Lord, the Lord would have revealed, Amen. don't go up. There's something wrong in the camp. There's something wrong in the camp. But he didn't. Was there pride and arrogance? I think there was pride and arrogance involved. I think in the people that had just seen God's wonderful works got a little maybe too full of themselves and decided that maybe, you know, we can do this. God's with us. We can do anything. But didn't inquire of God's. You ever think that you could do anything and find that, that you got in the way of God's business? You got right in the way of what God was trying to do because you were boldly going in where you shouldn't, right? You did inquire of God. What happened? You know, if you read just before and a couple chapters before that, when they were coming over Jordan. Now Joshua just, just made this proclamation to God. Why? You know, what are they going to do to your name? What are they going to do to us? They're going to destroy us. We would have been content over there, God. When God sent them across Jordan, He says, You take the priest, and you take the Ark of the Covenant, and they're going to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And it said, When the priest stepped at the very edge of the River Jordan, when they stepped into the edge of the River Jordan, it started backing up. The waters ceased flowing downstream. Where they stood, those waters backed up and they started backing up and around. You ever seen high water, you know, and during a rain, what a river does? You know, it starts backing up into the woodlands, starts backing up into people's houses upstream and everything. Well, the river just backed up and it stopped. And that which was there flowed right on down to the Red Sea. And they walked out into the middle of the Jordan carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the priest. And the riverbed was dry. And the whole host of Israel came across Jordan. That's a lot of people, folks. I don't know how heavy that ark was, but man, they stood there for a long time holding that ark. The whole host came through. Now that just happened. That just happened. And Joshua says, why? Why, Lord? You know, wouldn't we have been content to stay over there? You know, they didn't have to get into a bunch of little dugouts and paddle across that river. 
You know, they didn't have to hold all their stuff above their head and forge through there with the water up to their lips or anything. No, that water was divided. The Ark of the Covenant, God Himself went before them, parted those waters, and they went across in a dry riverbed. And they, when they finally got across the Ark of the Covenant, and the priests brought that Ark of the Covenant, and as soon as they stepped out of that river, it came together. It, came, it started flowing, rather. Now, I don't know. <laughs> I just thought about maybe some of the people that were downstream when the water dried up and maybe there was a little puddle out there and they were out there trying to get a little water when, when it came. <laughs> so we just, we, Joshua just saw that and the Lord says, what's the matter with you? Get up. You see, a lot of times we're complaining, we're, we're talking to God and we're wondering why maybe our prayers aren't getting answered. We're wondering, where is God? What, why isn't this business being taken care of? And God says to Joshua, get up, get up, because there's trouble in the camp. There's something wrong. Now, if, again, if he would have inquired of God, then God would have revealed that there was a problem not to go up to there. So he said... He said, something's happened. Israel has sinned and have transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and disassembled also. And they have put it among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except you do what? Except you destroy the accursed from among you. God's calling for action. God's call now, when, how many times I have heard people say when they read the Old Testament, when they say, oh God, how could God do that? How could God destroy those people like that? How could He kill women and children? How could He come against that? But you have to remember this is a picture. Now, do we have a, a much better covenant with God? Yes, we do. We have grace and mercy. But the, that, that blood of goats and, and animals could not redeem us from our sins. We have a covenant of grace where we can boldly become, come before God and make our requests known to Him. But he said there's something accursed that still does not alleviate us. Sometimes we wonder where God is, but God is saying that accursed thing must be cut from you. In other words, we may have things in our life that God is trying to remove. He's trying to change our character. And when we hit an impasse, when we hit a wall, when the enemy has defeated us and we are suddenly in fear then we have to say, Lord, what's going on? Because this is not your promise. This is not what you've promised me, Lord. Why am I here? Where are you in this? What do I need to see, God? Show it to me. And I'll take that accursed thing and I'll cut it asunder. I'll get rid of it. Most of you all know my testimony when I, when I talked about how God came to me one night when I, I'd just been newly saved and I was doing laundry in a laundromat and I needed a healing in my lungs and I said, Lord, I really need a healing in my lungs. And the Lord said, I want you to stop smoking pot. So I said, really? <laughs> well, as all things God wanted me to cut asunder there, and God delivered me, and 
took that away from me, out of my life. Why? You know, some people say, well, how do I quit these? How do I get rid of these habits? How do I get rid of that? You know, when you get into the face of God, when you get into the face of God and you witness His presence, those things don't mean nothing. They do not even compare to what's before you in God. And so many people I come in contact with will not press in to the presence of God. They've either never experienced it or they're not willing or afraid. They're afraid that if they come close to God, they will have to stop something that they do not want to give up. And how foolish that is because God knows. God knows exactly how we are. And under our covenant, when we press into God, God reveals that to us. But not only does He reveal it to us, but His presence gives us power to change it. Only in His presence, only in the presence of God, can we have victory over our enemies. Now let me say that again. Only in the presence of God will we have victory over our enemies. Not in our flesh, not in our good works, not in anything we can do. Only in the presence of God. So Joshua arose, and and all the men of war, and he says, uh, Oh, wait a minute, I skipped some things here. Anyway, so, you know, he deals deals with Joshua, and he says, This is what's happened. You know, you've got sin in your camp. Well, they find out that this, during the Jericho siege, uh, when they weren't supposed to take anything, they weren't supposed to touch anything. We, they had a man that came in and he grabbed some of the plunder. And he went uh, home to his tent and he hid it. He buried it under the tent, in the ground under the tent. And there he kept it. Well, God told uh, Joshua, he says, listen, he says, you, you call the whole, you call the entire camp together. And he says, you call the, the clans together, you call them all together. And he says, I'll reveal, I will reveal it to you. And, and, and so they, they did. And, and anyway, this man, he comes forth, after, he comes forward. And, and Joshua told him, he says, now listen, he says, don't lie to me. He says, don't lie, come clean. He says, what, what's going on? And he told him, he says, yes, I, I stole, you'll find this in my tent, I, I found this robe, and I found the, the, these, uh, these goodies, and, and he says, and I found some silver. He says, that is buried under my tent, and the silver is buried a little bit deeper. They went and they found it all. So they brought it out. Long story short, they, they took him and his family, and they stoned him. And they piled some rocks up there, and it's called it, 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 this valley of trouble. For Joshua said, you brought trouble upon the camp. Now God's going to bring trouble upon you. Now do we, you, we go, whoa, that's, that's heavy. You know, God would do that. But as an example to us, we need to know that God does take serious the things that are in our heart and in our lives that we need to let the Holy Spirit purge out of us. We're, we've got this wonderful blood of Christ in the new dispensation. We've got this wonderful thing that God has given us, but we need to let God speak to us, and we need to let God then reveal to us where we need to, you know, some things we need to get rid of or line up with God. Uh, Psalm 66, 18 says that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So if we, you know, if I, if, 
if my heart is not right with God, if and how can my heart, well, I love God, I love God. Yeah, but there's something that God's been speaking to you about that you absolutely refuse to get rid of or turn aside because it seems to be more important than Him. Huh? Somewhere, maybe, huh? If we inquire of God, as Joshua should have, if we get to His face, God will reveal to us. And you know what's wonderful about God's revelation? Is God rev God's revelation never comes in the form of condemnation. Never does it come in the form of condemnation. It comes from a loving Father. With the assurance, when you're in His presence, with the assurance that God does not require anything about from you or about you that he's not able to perform in your life. You mean I don't have to quit? No, you just need to let it go to God. God will remove it. God will take care of it. Because you'll find in the presence of God all other things become incidental. Small. And when you are basking in the presence of God is there anyone that has ever been in the presence of God that said, oh, quick, let me go shop at Walmart? <laughs> no. You want to stay there, don't you? In fact, you're reluctant to leave, even though life maybe presses you, because there you have so much peace. You have, you're in the presence of God. So what happens here? This is, this is good because... After they, after they remove that which is which the sin in the camp, after they expunge that and get rid of that what God has commanded, here we find down in this chapter that God, God says to him, He says, Joshua, He says, I want you to get up, and He says, I want you to take all the fighting men of Israel. Remember the, remember the spies, what they said? We only need 3,000. Now, if he would have inquired of God to begin with, uh, that's not because God, does God change his mind? No, God is not changing, is he? So God would have spoke this to him from the beginning. He says, I want you to take all the men of Israel, and I want you to go up. And he also says to me, he says, don't you worry. Don't be in fear, because I have given you that city. God says, I've given it to you. What does James say about prayer? He says, you have not because you ask not. Or you ask amiss. Amiss. You, you've got to ask. He, we need to inquire of the Lord. We take our lives sometimes as just, you know, well, I know how to go over here. I can go to the job every day. I know to do this or that. But if we inquired of the Lord every day as we should about our jobs or about our uh, you know, where we're going to the store or whatever, God will speak to us and, and we'll find divine appointments Amen. everywhere we go. Amen. We'll find divine appointments that God has put. Why did we find it then? One thing is because we've been in the presence of God and God's able to show us those divine appointments. Why doesn't He show it to us before? Because He don't want you to mess it up <laughs> unless you've been in His presence. God's not going to send you to some divine appointment when you're way off in the world and full of flesh. 
you're only going to mess it up, what he's been working on, who he's been pulling on by his spirit. Have you ever messed something up? So we find that God, you know, he makes this plan and he sends like 30,000 men, 30,000 men to hide in the back of the city and the rest of the crowd of Israel and the fighting men go up to the front and then they start, they go out, they let the, the people of Ahai, they let them come out to do war with them and then they turn around like they're going to run away like before and all the guys in the back, I thought, boy, that was kind of a sneaky plan. That was kind of sneaky, God. Wasn't it sneaky even for you? <laughs> so they all come in the city from the back door, and of course, they take it over. God will, God will do sneaky things for you. He will bless you when you just don't think there's a blessing coming. Here's a statement for you. We must be willing to explore any attachment to entitlement. I think when the spies came and gave the report, they had a little entitlement mentality. You know, like, we are, we're, we're entitled. Not to inquire of God, but we're entitled. Simply because, look what we've done. Do you think maybe they might have looked at Jericho and said, look what we've done. Have you ever taken on the glory of God to yourself? Guilty. Sometimes we get full of ourselves. Sometimes when things are going good, we, you know, we kind of get puffed up. That's why it's important to inquire of the Lord. How important it is. Why do you come to church? I mean, after all, you're a child of God. You are the church. Why do you come to this tabernacle? Why, do you, why are you here? Do you hope to be renewed? Do you hope to get a word? The word says, come in and provoke one another unto good works. Don't forsake, but provoking one another unto good works. Do you like to be provoked? I think a lot of us would say, no, we don't, we don't, like, we don't particularly like that, that, that terminology. But provoke one, to one another the good works. Why? Because it goes, it goes against your very nature. When you hear the Word of God and, and you sit there and the Holy Spirit then is, deals with you about that Word, why do you need to come in here? Because sometimes the Word that you're doing at home is the same Word that's so comfortable to your flesh. Huh? Amen. Well, I can preach to myself real easy. But I come in here and the Holy Spirit in His anointing with someone else preaching that Word of God suddenly brings something to my attention, just like last week. It happens, it happens every week. Every week. There is always something in a message. There is always something delivered behind the pulpit. Some word, something that God wants to tell you and wants to touch you and start working in you. Amen. And we need to be attentive enough to be listening to hear that one word, that one passage, that one thought that pertains to us. 
What's the song? Just one word, Lord. Just one word from you. And that's a, and that's a mountain. That's a mountain to get from God. Just one word. Give up what you can't keep to gain what you can't lose. Right? These things that we have, that we hold to, they're all going to pass away. We can't keep them. We can't hold on to them. Why? Why would we hold on to them? Now, it's very interesting because, you know, when they went up and they plundered this city, when God says, I give you that city, He said something else to Joshua. He said, in this time, you keep all the plunder. Do we get the cart before the horse sometimes? And it causes problems. God said, this time, you keep all the plunder. And I'm sure there was some plunder in there. There was some riches and wealth. And, and had, had this, this man not done what he did in Jericho, him and his household would have been spared. And he would have probably more riches than he dug and hid in that, under that dirt. But yet we hate to wait on God. We hate to wait on God. God, I know your word said that, but come on. When's that going to happen? I've been waiting so long. You know, God doesn't think it's long. It's not long to him. We just think it's long. But God is not willing that you would not be transformed. God is not willing that you would not be transformed. So however long it takes for God is perfectly good for Him. He, he wants you to have a certain character. And He wants that that you're holding on to that is hindering uh, your walk, hindering you prospering, hindering that abundant life that He promised you. He wants that away. He wants to make you meet for the table of God. He wants you to be in a position of power and authority. Why? So you can minister reconciliation to the people that He's drawing by His Spirit. If the salt has lost its flavor, what, what is it? What do, we, what do we hide away? God wants us in power and authority of His Word. And sometimes we need to shake loose some of the flesh to get it done, don't we? And to do that, we have to get into the presence of God. In the presence of God is the power to get it all, all done. We had, uh, Pastor Nick had Helen and I go over to the convention over here in Orlando because he was going to be out of town. He wanted to be there. Um, he missed it. I know he's, he, he, people are being blessed, but I wish he could have been there. But we're going to have a little meeting when Nick gets back and and I'm sure Nick will probably uh, be discussing it. But one, th one of the things that really stood out to me, uh, uh, T.D. Jakes was there and, uh, and uh, uh, James Robinson were there. And, and they had a panel and they were discussing uh, events and trying to unify and bring the church together. And, but one thing T.D. Jakes said was he said when he heard about this movement, this unification of the church, he says, he says, let's don't have another program. He says, don't waste my time. 
don't waste my time. And I thought, how true it is. Mm -hmm. Not another program, but the church has to come together Amen. and we have to pray. None of what they talked about as far as unification uh, for the purpose of uh, uh, bringing, uh, a, you know, the racial divide issue and the churches together and all that. Uh, the power of the church to heal our nation and our country, it takes getting in the presence of God. It takes God. And differences sometimes, and here was another statement he made. I want to throw this out to you because I, I know I, I got convicted about it. He said, he, he was telling everybody there, he said, he said, now you can tell me he says, you can tell me how, maybe teach me how to be a good with my finances. You can maybe teach me how to be good in mathematics. You can teach me how to be, uh, you know, a better uh, carpenter or this or that. He says, a lot of these things I, I, don't, I know very little about. But he said, please, 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 don't tell me how to be black. Please don't tell me how to be black. All right, Interesting. Because then he proceeded to tell a story. He said he was ministering or talking to, I don't know, Helen says it was an email or something. I thought he was person to person with the guy. But anyway, the guy says to him, you don't know what it's like to be black. Well, T.D. Jakes got, he got all ruffled up and he says his Christianity was definitely on the back burner. He didn't quite come out in what he said. But um, he grew up in the country. Didn't have any money, poor family. He said, you know, rags on the windows, just, you know, poor. And he says his dad started a janitorial business with a mop and a broom. And of course, he worked long hours helping his dad and et cetera, et cetera. They were, but they were going on. This guy says, you don't know what it's like to be black. Well, he was indignant and he said the Holy Spirit quickened him. And, he, and the Holy Spirit says, wait a minute, you don't know what it's like. G.D. Jakes. What? He says, you know, I don't know what it's like. He says, I don't know what it's like to be black and in the city. He says, my dad always came home. He said, when I stepped out the door, I wasn't stepping on broken glass and junkie needles. He said, we had food. And my dad was always there, even though we didn't have a lot of you know, we didn't have extra, we didn't have nothing. But he said, so I really don't know. And I thought that really what he said really drives home our, um, our ability to judge. We're not supposed to judge, but our ability to judge. And our inability to be ministers of reconciliation. Because we prejudge a situation. Where are they, Lord? Why are they like that? Now, we can make all kinds of reasons, but the brunt of that was the fact that the church, it takes the power of God and the love of Christ. How many of you all heard on the radio what, it was a little segment on 91.1 there where this woman had, was ministering to this man. Every time he came in, she said, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And she kept saying that, and apparently he was, a, he was a Muslim. And she said, and one day he come in, he says, well, why don't you become a Muslim? And she said, well, if you can show me in the Koran, 
anywhere in there that says he loves you, I'll become a Muslim. Nowhere in there does it say that Allah loves you. And long story short, I, that man got one into the kingdom of Christ. Because the love of Christ looks beyond all things, doesn't it? It looks beyond everything. The love of Christ. And if we can't share the love of Christ to minister reconciliation, then the church, we have a problem. We're not going to see our land healed. We won't see it. So I want to leave you with that, that we do not forget what God has told us. God doesn't forget. Sometimes we skirt it, don't we? When God tells us to do something, we try to, oh, I don't want to do that. But God doesn't forget, does He? And it seems like we never can go forward until we resolve those situations in us. And God will resolve each and every one of them in His presence. But we have to get into His presence and let the Holy Spirit minister to us. Get those things resolved. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's everybody stand. Glory, hallelujah. Now, uh, if you're like me, I came under some conviction about uh, uh, certain things. One is prejudging. One is knowing that, no, we say it, we, you know, we say it kind of off the cuff. We say it, well, God died for them too. We do. We kind of say it off the cuff, don't we? But, you know, if they, would, if they would come around and think like I think, then God will take care of them. You know what I mean? That's kind of sometimes the attitude we take, you know. Well, be reasonable, do it my way. But the, although the body of Christ has maybe doctrinal or differences, difference certainly in, in uh, uh, society and things, God's called us to be one body. And we need to look over, we need to look past a lot of those things. We need to know that the world, the world will magnify. If you got a problem, the news will let everybody know it. And they will magnify it so far out of proportion that suddenly the people around you forget about Hey, what's going on? How can I help? Sometimes we lose our how can I help. Sometimes we set it on the back burner. I don't need God. Send, just send 3,000 people up there. We'll do away with them. I don't need to inquire of God what He wants. We say, I got it. Anytime we think about any given any situation that suddenly suddenly uh, challenges, suddenly just a little bit, all of a sudden challenges our status quo. What's our status quo? Our relation with God. If it just challenges our status quo, we need to go on our knees before God and pray. And ask the Lord, Lord, show me you in this situation. How am I supposed to deal with that situation? Not the way I think. Not, oh, God, don't worry about it. I'll just take 3,000 men with me and we'll take care of it. 
No, we need to ask and inquire of God how we're supposed to deal with it. And God will show up. And when he does, he'll give us direction of how to do it. I'd like everybody to come down front. We're a few in numbers. I, I know you can make your way down here and we'll pray. Glory, hallelujah. We're so blessed. We're blessed by the gifts that God has given us, the gifts of this ministry, the people who labor in this ministry, the music, the singers. And I wish to be blessed more. <laughs> I noticed David as he went from one side of the room to the next to his appointment, yes. God is good. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and praise you. We ask that through and by your Holy Spirit, Lord, help us. Lord, we desire to be in your presence, ever before your face, Lord, so that we might know where you would have us to go. Lord, that we might understand you. We have to understand you, Lord, to even know us. We cannot understand us, Lord, unless you shed your light upon us. And show us, Father, and we know that you will strengthen us, Lord, to lay aside those things which will hinder the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. You will strengthen us, for Lord, from glory to glory, Lord, we just give you praise and honor that you change us and that you deal with us. Thank you for your loving kindness, Father, in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray for this congregation. And part a blessing upon each and every person here, Lord, that this week, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord, they will be blessed beyond measure, blessed going out and coming in. And Father, they will see the work of the Spirit in everything they do. They will inquire of you early, Lord, and they will inquire of you late. And in the middle of the day, Lord, they will praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. And they will be lifted up on high because you will give them the loving assurance, Father, that they need. And Lord, they will be full of power and might of your Holy Spirit. They will see like they never saw before, Lord, and they will be a voice crying as one crying out of a wilderness and shedding light, dispelling light out from the darkness, Lord. Father, we just give you praise and honor and glory for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Diane, I, I want us all, before, you, before we before everybody leaves here, Diane, I want, to, I want to pray for you and for your husband. I want the church to agree. Diane's husband, uh, he's going for surgery tomorrow down in Bay Pines. And uh, they're, uh, they're, we're, 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 going, we're praying that the, uh, the doctors, the surgery, the, the appointment that's going to be there is going to go well and for the hand of God. Father, in the name of Jesus. Yes. Lord, we just pray right now for this family. 
We pray, Lord, and we minister healing unto his body, Lord, and wisdom to the surgeons and to those doctors and those ones that are dealing with this situation, Lord. They will find that, oh, it's not near what we thought it was. This is easy. This is a piece of cake. And we look to his healing right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, for the Holy Spirit to be upon them, Lord, for a testimony. Lord, proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, the promises of God. What have you said, Lord? Oh, you said you would be my redeemer. You said you're my healer. You said I would receive the desires of my heart. And Lord, they will claim this and proclaim it over this situation and be a voice a blessing to all that they see tomorrow and every day, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for the Spirit which will work upon her husband, Lord, which will minister unto him and draw him closer than he's ever been before, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And everybody said, Amen.